Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Nigro again, our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. Uh, thank you again to all the followers that we have. I appreciate your feedback, your comments. Uh, so many of you guys who have come out from different parts of the globe for me to uh, do neuropsych evals or consultations. Uh, it's truly humbling. Julie and I are um, forever grateful for um, you guys allowing us into your homes and into your lives and Hopefully, we are making a positive impact in the field of mental health. So, I'm doing this episode earlier today because uh, going out with the kids for Julie's birthday, which was earlier in the week. Um, so, as you know, I do, for you guys who follow this program, I do it very organically. Um, and this topic kind of popped in my mind because um, our office is located right in the water. Uh, in Duxbury and uh, our AC has been off and it has been incredibly hot so in my office they finally installed a portable uh, AC the AC is now fixed but as the guy had some time as the guy was in, installing it I was um, looking at you know one of the bookshelves in my office and I just glanced over, I see all the time, but I saw a book that I had to read in graduate school, which was uh, The Discovery of the Unconscious. Uh, probably about like 2,500 pages long. And um, I started just flipping through it as the guy was installing it into the window. And I just came across, flipped through one of the chapters uh, on defense mechanisms. So this is how random uh, my mind works when I'm not actively engaged in more structured activities like uh, doing neuropsych evals. So I decided to do this topic on defense mechanisms, which may seem ironic. Uh, why is, for those who are following the program on an excessive basis, why is a neuropsychologist who is a staunch proponent of cognitive behavioral therapy talking about a theory developed by Sigmund Freud from a psychoanalytic perspective? Well, uh, because I think there's relevance to it. Uh, Freud uh, was the first person to develop a psychological explanation for human behavior. Uh, you can, But you can trace the etiology of, of psychology back to the Greeks and Hippocrates and um, Socrates. Uh, so it, it, the history of psychology is pretty fascinating, but when you get to the work of, of Freud, um, you know, I mean, I, I really personally, I've said this in one of the episodes, I, I do not believe in the unconscious. Uh, I think we, we have mapped the brain out. There is no structure that we can label as being responsible for the unconscious. It almost is as if there's this spooky reservoir in this murky world um, of thoughts and impulses that drive us that are outside of our conscious control. I prefer to use more of a cognitive behavioral, rationally motive explanation as, as the, you know, the terminology being automatic thoughts. So uh, this is the third or fourth episode where I actually made notes um, because I usually do this off the top of my head, but I want to make sure that I was able to remember all of the different defense mechanisms. So what defense mechanisms really are, they're ways that, that we react to situations, um, ways that we react to situations that bring up negative emotions. Now, in the original psychoanalytic analytic theory, when a person experiences a stressor, 
the subconscious will first monitor the situation, okay? This is, this is Freud's theory, uh, to see if the situation poses harm. Uh, again, I would go more back to fight or flight automatic thoughts versus the subconscious. And then in, in defense mechanism theory in, in, in general, um, if, if, if the mind perceives that a situation is going to lead to um, emotional harm, it will react with a defense mechanism. So let's go through the more common ones. All right. First one is denial. All right. We're all familiar with this. This is probably one of those common uh, defense mechanisms, um, whether we want to accept it or not. Um, I think a lot of people um, in denial that they block external events or circumstances uh, from their mind so they don't have to deal with the emotional discomfort or the emotional impact. And the whole point of denial is is avoidance of feelings that are painful, uncomfortable, unwanted. Um, you know, we, we use the phrase a lot of time, they're in denial. They're in denial about being an alcoholic. They're in denial that their marriage is in trouble. They're in denial that they have an anger problem. Um, it, 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 really, a person who's using denial as defense mechanism is, I think, avoiding reality, um, despite, I think, what's obvious to everybody else around them in their lives. Uh, again, the most common defense, defense mechanism, and again, we all do this, it, it's, um, it's our way to avoid confronting things about ourselves uh, in a way that we can just suppress it and just put it off and hope that it never has to you know, be dealt with or, or resurface again. All right, what do I got the next one? Okay, repression. All right. This is when like um, unhealthy thoughts or, or painful memories, irrational beliefs are really upsetting. And instead of facing those beliefs and that, and that uncomfortability or that, 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 that discord, um, I think people, they, they, they try to hide them uh, and hope they just go away. Uh, the memories don't disappear. They, they are there, but they can influence behaviors. They can impact your current relationships, your future relationships. Um, so this is going back to an earlier form of a developmental period in your life. So regressing back to, you know, think of a, think of a child uh, who's grown up and maybe they're seven, eight, nine years old and they're having anxiety or maybe they got in trouble from mom or dad and they regress back to thumb sucking. Uh, adults use repression as well, going back to an earlier form of, of, of development where it feels more comfortable, not almost in an infantile childlike state, but again, a lot of the defense mechanism, think about being defensive of just the word defense is protection. It's protection against the sense of self, the ego, not the ego in the sense of Freud's term, but the ego really in the sense of self. And again, not egotistical, that's a whole different topic in and of itself. Um, so repression is when you, people are really reverting back to a more infantile or childlike state um, in response to some anxiety or difficult or uncomfortable situation. All right, number three, projection. We hear this term a lot. Uh, this is when thoughts or feelings we have about um, someone else uh, makes us feel uncomfortable. Um, and they... they they project the feelings uh, or they misattribute them to the other person. So take the example of like, uh, let's see, uh, you got a new coworker, um, but you can't accept that. And 
you choose to tell, you know, and, and you really dislike them. You just can't stand them. But instead of accepting that, you you choose to tell yourself that they dislike you. Um, and you start to interpret their words and their actions toward toward you in the worst possible way or worst possible scenario, uh, even though they don't actually like you. So you're really projecting uh, your, your thoughts onto the other individual. So again, these are things that happen on a very automatic basis uh, versus driven by something subconscious. Um, let's see, what do we got? Okay, rationalization. Uh, this is another common one. People attempt to think to... Um, how to explain this? Uh, people attempt to explain their like undesirable behaviors or thoughts with their own set of facts. Okay, uh, I think this allows people to feel comfortable with the choices they make, even though, um, even though they not, even though, you know, on another level, it's not right. Uh, so, if someone doesn't get a promotion at work, they say. I didn't want the promotion anyway. So we, we rationalize. Uh, you can turn, like rationalize uh, maybe going on a shopping spree. People can even rationalize infidelity. They can rationalize substance use. They can rationalize, um, I think, I think up with denial, I think rationalization is probably one of the more, definitely one of the more common ones because, again, it's our way to to explain why we are go choosing a certain path, why we are making different decisions. Again, it's all really to, um, you know, to explain these undesirable behaviors with our own set of quote-unquote facts, you know, something we've constructed in our mind to explain why we are choosing or acting or thinking in a specific way. Um, another one is sublimation. Now, this is when we're trying to satisfy an impulse. So take, take aggression, for example, uh, with a substitute object in a more acceptable way. So aggression would not be an acceptable way of expressing emotion. However, using sports to get your aggression out is a much more adaptive, accommodating way to express that. So sublimation is a very effective defense mechanism because you're, you know, and, and they used to say, like, if you were angry, uh, punch a pillow. Well, current research has shown that if you punch the pillow and you feel better, you're more likely, at, so this is more like operant conditioning, you, 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 you act upon the stimulus, you punch the pillow, you feel better, you get your anger out, it's only going to reinforce the fact the next time you get angry to punch the pillow again. And this was suggested years ago, back in like the 60s or 70s, but I think the research has shown that you're reinforcing the negative behavior because the punching of the pillow is in itself satisfying and is rewarding. The problem becomes now whenever anger is on the horizon or something that, that we're dealing with, that could be extrapolated to then maybe punching your partner, punching your spouse, punching your child, kicking the dog. So it could take a very dangerous route. So what you know that that used to be the old theory of how to how to get rid of anger, punch the pillow. Not anymore. Um, what else we got? All right, uh, read my writing. Uh, reaction formation. Uh, this is a defense mechanism when people believe a certain thing, but they behave in the opposite manner. Uh, and I remember the example in in. in uh, my doctor program, how this was explained, is you have a preacher who's doing, you know, fire and brimstone sermon, uh, sermons about the objection objectionability of, of gay and lesbian relationships, but yet he himself is 
gay. So it's it's acting counter it's it's acting counterintuitive to what the person is actually perceiving. So it's really defending against the the mindset and the mental constructs the person has. Uh, and it's really a, a, a struggle of not being able to portray the true self and acting in a way that, that you know, presents a very different picture. Uh, uh, next one, we get, uh, again, writing here. Compartmentalization. This is, this is what we also do this. We separate life into, like, independent sectors. Um, and it, it feels like a way to protect many element, elements of it. So... Uh, for example, like you, you don't want to discuss personal problems at work, uh, or you block off or compartmentalize elements of your life. And you know what compartmentalization allows us to do is is continue going on without facing anxiety uh, or challenging or challenges challenging situations while you're in that setting or mindset. So compartmentalization is, is, is a way to really kind of take a situation. And sometimes a lot of the way the defense mechanisms work is, is they, they can be intersected with one another. It doesn't have to be all linear that you just do rationalization or you do denial or you do compartmentalization. There could be several operating simultaneously. Um, intellectual Intellectualization. Uh, this one you hit with a situation and you... You want to remove all the emotion from it and focus just on quantitative facts. So this is really just taking all the emotion out of it. Um, so this you can take an example of um, uh, a person spending their day just like creating sp spreadsheets of job opportunities and leads after, after they're let go from their job. You know, that's a very intellectual way of dealing with it as opposed to the angst and the anxiety of not being employed and what they're going to do. So they're removing the anxiety associated with it by just focusing on quantitative, qualitative facts. Um, defense mechanisms in and of themselves, um, they're, they're natural. Um, they don't always cause problems, but I think longstanding in nature, they can be problematic in relationships, they can be problematic in, in psychotherapy, uh, they can be problematic in the sense of, you know, I, I've said this before, like there's, we're, we're as humans, we, there's two major, two main things that um, kind of characterize what we're built for. One is procreation, and the two, is, the second one is survival, both physiological and psychological uh, survival. And I think what the defense mechanisms do is they allow us to maintain a sense of psychological survival, but there's also a huge component of avoidance, of not being able to deal with the reality of situations that, that, that transpire in our lives. And none of us are immune to them. And again, I think they are very automatic. I do not believe they are driven by a subconscious force as in Freudian or psychoanalytic theory. But I do believe that they are relevant. And I think we, we at different points in our lives, at different, at different situations that we are confronted with, I think we all, we all manifest this stuff. Um, you know, from a psychotherapeutic perspective, you know, figuring out, you know, what people do is interesting, but why is the person using these defense mechanisms? Why is the person acting in this way? And invariably it comes down to, you know, again, safeguarding the sense of self and the fragility of the ego and, 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 and self-esteem. But I think on an individualistic basis, there could be additional factors, um, 
that you would parse out in psychotherapy as to why a person is being defensive. And, you know, we, that's another term I think in and of itself is just you're being so defensive. And so if you, if you, if you, if you sense that, or if you, if, if you're, if you're using that terminology or that terminology is being, you know, said to you, there's a strong likelihood that you or another individual is employing one of the defense mechanisms that I, that I, I, I went through. Um, again, psychoanalysis is, is, is still a, a, a thriving you know, area of psychology. Uh, I was trained in it, not one I really wanted to pursue. Um, but again, people, you know, generally like, like two years and you're really resolving your current situations by resolving past uh, childhood traumas. So, you know, for what it's worth, um, you know, defense mechanisms, I think, are, are definitely prevalent in all aspects of human interactions. Um, the, you know, the episodes I've, I've done several, you know, about the, you know, the, the difficulty of really looking in the mirror and, and, and confronting the reality of who we are. Uh, the demons that we carry, uh, the ghosts that we walk beside, um, the good and the bad, the yin and the yang, the positive and negatives. Um, and, you know, I think we've seen a lot of this as a result of the pandemic in the midst of the lockdowns, which I think is a huge part of why the mental health system, not only in the United States, but just from speaking with people on a, on a global level, uh, has increased exponentially. And the paucity of resources for people to get in for treatment, whether that's for a neuropsych eval, uh, psychiatric medication management, psychotherapy, uh, in-home therapies, um, there's wait lists and wait lists and wait lists, and there are not enough providers out there. Um, so it, 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 it's, uh, I think from what was the point I was trying to make? Um, so I think a lot of people had a lot of self-reflection or they spent a lot of time in isolation talking with their partners or talking with their families or talking with their children. And I think they started to, you know, these things started to come to surface, which brought a lot of people into the mental health care system or onto the, the vast plethora of waiting lists. Um, and, you know, from talking with people in different parts of the United States and, and especially in more rural states, um, there really is a, a huge need for services and definitely not enough providers <clears throat> to go around at all whatsoever. So it, it's a scary time. I don't foresee it getting any better anytime soon. Uh, I think the, <clears throat> it, it, it's, I think it's probably going to get worse, um, worse in the sense in terms of, uh, number of people needing services and availability of resources. So, um, anyhow, hopefully this topic was, uh, somewhat interesting. Like I said, I, I stumbled upon it organically as, uh, I was baking in the heat in my office, literally, it was like 88 degrees one day. Um, <clears throat> so this is how I kind of came about this topic and I was just flipping through a book I had read and, you know, defense mechanisms. I was like, okay, this is, this is relevant, uh, because we, we do them all the time. So, Again, you, you know, the whole kind of the saying is we all need to check ourselves. Um, this is kind of when we want to take a look. And, and most people, you know, even though they're automatic, I think most people, when, when it's pointed out, inherently kind of know, yeah, I do do that. 
Yeah, I, I kind of see that. Yeah, I, I, I've been told that. Again, this is, these are, this is not about psychopathology. This is all about preservation of the sense of self. And that is our psychological survival on a daily basis, which is even more complicated in a world in, you know, infiltrated with social media and, and TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and, and, and the, the amount of social comparison and stuff like that, uh, that the sense of self is, is no longer compartmentalized. I'm using compartmentalization in a different aspect but when you you, know, you post something it goes out to the world versus you know when you were on the playground prior to social media it stayed contained within your friend group and it never went anywhere else now one thing goes out and everybody and their brother can see it so um, again, insight is really a really powerful tool in a therapeutic standpoint. It's a really powerful tool in just a psychological standpoint. And sudden insight can be very powerful, but can also be very painful. So our goal is to constantly look within ourselves, um, acknowledge our demons, uh, confront them, uh, not run away from them, and you know, shun and really kind of suppress the defense mechanism so you're able to effectively deal with these anxiety-provoking situations in a more adaptive and healthier manner. All right. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Feel free to reach out to me, 617-750-9411, East Coast Standard Time. Email me through Psychology Today. You can also email me through psychologyunpluggedoutlook.com. Again, an absolute pleasure. Julie and I enjoyed doing this thoroughly. Um, I try to get back to everybody that that contacts me. Uh, And if I haven't gotten back to you, I will do my best. Just continue to reach out to me, and I will talk to you guys next week. Be well. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Bye, guys.